Well, this morning we're getting to uh, embark on an adventure together. This adventure is going to be an adventure through the Gospel of John that is going to help us understand who Jesus is and what it means to follow after him. And so as we get into this adventure, begin this adventure today, I invite you uh, to hear these words uh, from John 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God. Our adventure of understanding what it means to follow after Jesus actually begins with understanding Jesus' adventure. It's understanding who he is and what it means that he would come to us. You see, what we find right from the beginning of John's gospel is that God existed in a relationship. Three persons, actually, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within what's come known as the Trinity, But the reason we know that was the son, the second member of that triune dance and relationship, actually left that dance and came and lived among us. I want you to think about it being like a dance, like three people holding hands together and circling in a dance and dancing in relationship with one another and the joy of connecting with one another. But then one of those members of the dance The second person actually breaks hands off with the father and comes over and reaches out to you and to me and essentially says, I want to dance with you. I want you to join in this dance. That's what Jesus does by taking on flesh and coming and living among us. He's saying essentially to you, I have existed in this dance from all eternity with the Father and with the Spirit, this dance of love and connection, and I want you to dance with me. And if that doesn't astound us, we've missed it. Because if I were Jesus, I would just want to stay in that eternal dance of love with the Father and the Spirit. There is no way I would want to leave that intimacy and connection that existed in the three persons of the Trinity within God's self. The only explanation why Jesus would do that is that he loves you and that he loves me. 
And that he was willing to enter into the darkness of this world in order to bring us out of it and into this intimate dance of love that's been going on within God self from the beginning of the world. You see, our map here, the trail map, as Pastor Greg illustrated with Morgan, points to the fact that there has been a story that existed from the very beginning. And John wants to capture the connection. And so he says, in the beginning. And when we hear those words, we should immediately think about the first book of the Bible, of Genesis, where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what John is doing right away and pointing us to Jesus is that he is the word who is in the beginning, and he's going to come and bring about a new creation in and through his work and witness in the world in order to draw us back into relationship with God. What we find is Jesus' nature, essentially sharing the nature of God, being both fully God, and we're going to see how he becomes fully man, exists in this eternal relationship with the Father, and now he reveals who he is, reveals who God is, and our adventure begins then by understanding him and understanding just how much he loves us. You know, I've been thinking about firefighters lately and just their amazing work in, in our communities. And last Sunday, we, we, we left church. You know, after church, we went home. We were getting lunch. And immediately, uh, sirens went off. And, and there was a fire in Empire Mine, probably about 500 yards away from our house. And it was one of those where you start packing up and you start getting ready to go. And they had it out like that. And I think about firemen going towards a fire and, and, and what motivates them to do that. And I think it has to be a sense of love and care for our community and for humanity, right? I was even wrestling with this because I was outside the community uh, on, on a trip and coming back yesterday and I knew like even by the time we got to Sacramento, the air quality was bad. And then by the time we're in Auburn, it's like, ugh. And then we're coming to our community and it's like, ugh, this just looks really bad. Why would I come back into the community? Because the people I love are here, my own family and my church family. Why would a fireman go towards a fire? Because he loves the community and has a commitment to care for the community. Well, even well beyond somebody just entering back into the smoke and the pale of the skies right now, or a fireman entering the fire. Jesus leaves the intimacy of community within God's self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and comes into the darkness of this world in order to save us, because he loves us. We find and discover the truth of God's word here by first discovering who Jesus is as the word. And what we find right away is that the word was in the beginning, was with God, was co-eternal, existed with the Father and the Spirit before all things. In the beginning was the word. And then if you look back in Genesis, you see that as God created and did things, it said, and God said. God spoke the existence, creation into being. That's Jesus, the word, in in. in an activity along with the Father, building something, building creation along with and in connection with the Father. There's an intimacy of connection within God's self. 
And that's a significant clue to our humanity, our longing for connection, our longing for intimate relationships comes out of who God is, an intimate relationship within God's self. The reason we long for that connection is because that connection was most fully experienced within God's self, even before creation and within the Trinity. You see, there is good news right from the beginning. And if John's going to tell us the good news of the word becoming flesh and living among us, what he wants us to know is that good news existed even before creation and even before uh, sin entered this world and even before that we needed a savior. Before the beginning of time, there was an intimate relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in the, in before creation. And that good news is that God longs for a connection and community with you. And that's the reason he created. For those fathers, for those mothers in our, in our, (laughs) here this morning, why did you want to have children? It's because the love that you have shared, hopefully, between the, you know, the husband and wife, that, that, that love literally spills out of you and you want that love to sort of be enfleshed and incarnated in a child. And in God's self, it was already Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the amazing reality of creation and having children in this world is that we long to create because God created and God was already connected. The amazing reality within God's self is the word was distinguished from God himself, yet exists in personal relationship with God. The word was with God. But then John blows our minds even more by saying the good news is not only that the word Jesus preexisted with God, but actually that the word was God. He shared the very nature of God and existed with him and sharing that nature. And, and, And in that reality, we see that the adventure of life and faith is about coming into that kind of intimate community and connection with God and with one another as a result. God doesn't just savor that relationship and that intimacy within God's self. God spills out in love and community by taking on flesh and coming and living among us. The word who was in the beginning was with God and was God, shared the very nature of God. That word came and made himself and took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. He literally pitched his tent in this world so that we can come to know who he is. And that The one who was with God and was God didn't leave that nature of God but took on flesh. He becomes Emmanuel, God with us. And C.S. Lewis calls this the grand miracle. It's a central miracle that ever took place in all of humanity. That God would love us enough to take on flesh and come and live and dwell among us. That grand miracle has many different implications. The fact that the word would be made flesh and move into the neighborhood, come and live amongst and in and among this world has major implications for our lives. And the first thing is that it has the implication of this is the source of our salvation. You see, God is the only one who can save us. He is the only one who has the power to save us from our sin. But in order to be saved from our sin, it has to come from within, come from within humanity because humanity, we're the ones who have sinned, right? 
And so the amazing reality is God, the one who has the power to come and save us and bring us salvation, comes and takes on flesh in order to repair the relationship between God and man. The only one who can save us is God, and the only one who should do that work of salvation is a human being. And in Jesus, God becomes flesh and brings about the work necessary for us to be saved. God and man, one and fully, both at one time, comes and lives and he dies on the cross and makes this sin offering for us in order to save us from our broken, broken humanity. The fact that Jesus took on flesh becomes the source of our salvation in his action. The other part of this, though, is that there's amazing affirmation. The fact that Jesus would take on flesh is an amazing act of affirmation about humanity. It is a supreme affirmation of the value of human existence. The God who created us loved us enough to take on flesh and live among us. And because of that, our humanity becoming home for him forever and him taking on flesh, ultimately that shows us how much he loves us. That he would overcome the distance between heaven and earth, but also become a human being shows how much you are of worth and value to him. He didn't stay at a distance. He came and he, he took on flesh. He lived among us. And in that, thirdly, there's also identification. The enfleshment of the eternal word demonstrates God's identification with us in our human life and in, in particular our human weakness and suffering and sharing our struggle. Because Jesus came on an adventure and lived in a, in a human adventure while being God at the same time, he understands you and he cares about you and we now have a God who has walked among us and lived in the, on this earth and knows how hard it is. He has suffered and he has struggled just like we do. But the good news is he was without sin. In Hebrews 2, 4, 17 to 18, it says, For this reason he was made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And later in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way we are, yet was without sin. Therefore, we can approach the throne of grace, with confidence that we'll find grace and mercy in our time of need. Jesus came and lived among us, and as a result, we have a God who understands us, who loves us and cares about us, and who has walked among us. The power of the imagery of Jesus being uh, dwelling among us, coming and taking on flesh is, the, the Greek word is exkenosin, and it literally means that he pitched his tent and he came and, and, and tabernacled among us, similar to how Jesus, the Father existed and, and was present with the Israelites in the desert when, when his glory was revealed in the tent and Moses met with him face to face. Now Jesus comes and pitches his tent among us and reveals God's glory by coming and being among us. 
was thinking about the power of this imagery and what this is like in terms of God reflecting a desire to be connected with us. In this imagery that he came and literally moved into the neighborhood or pitched his tent among us. And I was thinking about our all-church camp out this summer. And here's what I observed. People came and, and they showed up and they, and they pitched their tent. Okay, and adults kind of found a spot like, oh, here's kind of a quiet spot. And the next family showed up and the kids are like, I want my tent near the flags. I want to be near Aurora and Hannah. And like the adults are like, we kind of want some space. You know, I might snore. I don't really want to be right next to the same tent. And I'm watching the kids like, no, let's pitch our tent right next to theirs because they're my friends and I want to be near them. Well, in a much more powerful way, that's what Jesus does. And he takes on flesh. And he comes and lives in this world. He's saying, I want to pitch my tent next to yours. I want to be near them. I want to experience intimacy and connection with them. And I'm willing to overcome the distance that exists between God and man by taking on flesh and coming and living among us. And we needed Jesus to do that in order to really see who God is. In the beginning of Hebrews, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It's like God, you know, God's not a poker player, but it's basically God saying, putting all of his chips in and saying, this is my, my best hand. This is the best way I can show you that I love you. I am all in in sending my son. And this is the best way you can see my glory, see me and who I really am if I come and live among you. And it says there in the passage, the word became flesh, he made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus shines the likeness of God so fully and completely because he is God. We're able to see what love really looks like as he comes and as he shines God's light into this world. And and he does that in many different ways. He did that in creation. And we can here discover the truth of God's word by discovering what Jesus has done. When we think about what Jesus has done, we're able to see what God is like, right? Right? And we're told here that we can discover the truth of God's word by discovering what Jesus has done. Through him, all things were made. He made everything. All this was his. He made all this world and the stars and the universe and everything we see. He was the one who was behind it all. And in that divine dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they created all this for you, for us. So there was space and place so we can get to know him. But then further it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. God not only created, Jesus was not only the agent of creation, but the power of life was in him in such a way that he could give life both physically in creation, but also he can give life spiritually in salvation. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. His life points us back to God and shines light into this world so that we can see Jesus, see God for who he really is. Jesus would later say, I am the way, the the truth, and the life. He says, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he, he, he points to himself in reflecting the identity that John's already revealing about him. 
So he, John tell, sings this song, kind of creates this hymn right at the beginning, and the rest of the gospel is going to uncover all these things. Jesus would actually use the word life 36 different times in the gospel of John. He wants to show that he is the source of life and that if we accept him, welcome him, and rest in him, we'll experience the type of life we've been longing for. In John 10.10, it says, I have come that they might have life and life in my name. It's not just that Jesus wants to give us earthly existence. He wants to give us a quality of life and a life that reflects his character, the reason why he created, not just he created. He wants us to experience a type of fullness of life that is satisfying and full. And he wants to be our source of light. So that we can walk through the darkness that we kind of see around us and not become overwhelmed by it. I love in the passage it says that in him was life and that life was the light of men. And and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you sometimes feel like the darkness is winning? Do you sometimes feel like the darkness has overcome the light? What we're told here is that the light is going to be victorious. The darkness is not going to overcome the light. And I know those those stories are so interesting. In the midst of the story, we wonder. Right now, Levi and I are reading The Hobbit together, and the dwarves just constantly get lost in the woods. They are like human beings in that they're, they're always sort of prone to wander. I'm in part of the story with Levi where Gandalf and and uh, uh, the, the, the bear character, I'm blanking on his name right now. Somebody out here knows. But anyway, they basically say, as long as you stay through the trail, on the trail, you're going to be fine. The, but the moment you depart from the path or the trail, you are in trouble. And just last night, one of the dwarves, Bofer, the, the one who's a little heavy set, the guy likes to eat, imagines a feast off the side of the trail and he's tempted to basically wander over and, and, and eat in this feast. And everybody follows him and they're tricked to follow. And as soon as they depart from the trail, the magic of presenting this feast goes away and they get lost in the darkness. What Jesus is saying is, I am the light. I've revealed my light and in me there is light. And if you follow my way, you'll see the right path. You'll see the right trail and you will be willing to follow. You'll be able to follow that path and follow that trail and experience the fullness of light that you're looking for. Sometimes I know one of the things I tell myself often is, Mike, lighten up. <laughs> and, and that's because I take myself far too seriously at times. But also it's lighting up because of this. The darkness of evil never has and never will overcome or extinguish the light. Let me say it one more time. The darkness of evil never has and never will overcome or extinguish the light. Because Jesus, the creator of life and light, and it brings light to humankind and shines in our darkness and shows us our true identity as sinners in need of saving. And when we follow Jesus, the true light, the light of the world, we can avoid walking blindly and falling into sin. Christ lights the path ahead of us so that we can see how to live. 
He removes the darkness of sin from our lives. And he shows us the light and he's able to remove that, that darkness from our life and, and, and accept the light and remove the, the darkness of difficulty, doubt, sin, shame, guilt, and replace it with life and light. Let me illustrate this. On Wednesday nights, uh, G, uh, Levi and I have a, an activity every Wednesday. Usually we're here at church. Uh, because for most recently there had been the movie nights, okay? So we're here at church. Uh, family gets home at about 8.30, 8.45. We open the door. We're ready to be home. But before we settle in, either Levi or I shout out, Garbage night! And garbage night means you need to go through the house. He's got the lower part of our house, garbage cans. He brings up the garbage from there. I get the garbage from the upper garbage cans. We put it in one bag and we take it out. And my role is to carry the trash cans. Usually there's the garbage can and then the green waste or recycling can and take it up our driveway. And Levi's role is to hold the flashlight. And if you've ever been to my house, it's pretty dark on the driveway. I never want to try to walk the garbage cans up without there being any light to go by. Basically, I go off our road and end up on the side of the road. And so Levi's job as my son is to shine the light forward so I can see the way up. And when we get to the top and we put the cans in place, the garbage is going to be taken away. He usually actually hands the flashlight to me and we bound back home and get back home and enjoy the rest of the evening. The point of the illustration is this. We need the light of the sun, Jesus, and and ultimately to shine the light forward. We can take the garbage out of our lives and get rid of the darkness and allow his light to shine more fully in our life. And without his lighting our way and directing our path, there is no way we're going to get there and find the way forward. We need Jesus' light to shine into our lives. So my question for you and application is, have you allowed the light of Christ to shine into your life? Have you welcomed him? Have you received him? Because just as we need to discover and grasp the truth of God's word and who Jesus is, and just as we need to discover and grasp the the truth of who Jesus is by what he's done, we ultimately discover the truth of God's word by discovering how we are to respond to the word. And you see, we're not left off the hook here. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Friends, you are a child of God in the created sense. God created you. you. You reflect his image just in having been created as a son or daughter of his. But you become a child of God ultimately in a spiritual sense by receiving Jesus and believing in his name and having your identity changed from somebody outside the family to somebody inside the family. It's like an adoption has taken place and somebody who's not a part of of a family is adopted into that family, welcomed in and connected, and now they've been made family. And that's what God does when we welcome him and receive him. He claims that our identity is in him as his son and daughter, but we need to welcome and receive that gift if we're going to have it present and at work in our lives because we can push it away and say no, or we can say yeah. And the receiving of that gift is a recognition that we are all sinners in need of saving. But as Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is a gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. The good news here is you don't have to save yourself. The bad news is you can't anyway. 
The good news is you don't have to try anymore. You can receive the gift of life because Jesus has already run the adventure for you and, 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 and completed it and won through his death and resurrection. And all you have to do is receive that gift and welcome it into your heart and your life and say, I want to be a child of God. And that simply happens by saying sorry for our sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And please come into my heart and my life. And if we invite Jesus to do that, if we embark on the adventure of following after him by faith, he says that he's going to make us new. He's going to make us into new creatures. And some things might happen like that. Some things change quickly when you do that. Other things take time. I turned 50 on Tuesday. And there's still a lot of work to be done in my own life in terms of transformation and change. But when I embarked on the adventure of following Jesus more fully as a 17-year-old, I can say that everything changed. And everything ultimately, big picture, became new and different. And God wants that for you. He wants that for every one of us to welcome him in and allow him to do that work of transformation and change that we all need. And the good news, too, is that good news isn't just for you. It's also for the other people around you in your community. I love the way John, the gospel writer, brings in John the Baptist, where he says, and, and, and there was a man who was sent from God, and he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was still coming in the world. The point being, John himself was not the light. And you, if you caught it in the illustration with Greg and Morgan... Greg did not say, I am the light and I have all the answers. You just needed to find me. No. Greg illustrated what John the Baptist does. He says, I am, I'm not the light, but I know the light. And I can point you to the light. You can follow me towards. And if we do, we'll, we'll, we'll get to know him and we'll experience him together. And you and I, like John, once we've received Jesus and welcomed him in to our heart and to our life, we are meant to be those kinds of witnesses like John is. Just as John was sent from God to be a witness, to testify concerning that light, and just as we're going to see a ton of witnesses here in the coming weeks, we're going to meet the woman at the well, we're going to meet Nicodemus, we're going to meet character after character that witnesses to the light of Jesus, who doesn't claim to be the light, but says, I've met the light. And I want you to find the light. And when you and I do that, we become reflectors, like the moon to the sun. Like John the Baptist, we recognize we are not the source of God light. We merely reflect that light. But Jesus is the true light, and he can help us see our way to God because he is the way. Because Christ chose to reflect his life and live among us, we as his followers can enter into this sin-weary and broken world that is filled with unbelief and help people know that they can receive Jesus as the life and the light and he can come in and make all things new. And the joy of receiving and believing Jesus and witnessing and testifying to the light of Jesus so that other people can believe means that we also embark on the adventure of entering into our neighborhood so that other people can see and know him. We pitch our tent in the neighborhood like Jesus so that other people in our neighborhood could see and know that there really is a different kind of life that's being offered to them. And they don't have to stay stuck where they are. That the darkness ultimately isn't going to win. Jesus is. I read the end of the story, and that's what it says. And we can point people to that reality. 
And when a church loves God and one another in a way that a watching world can see, it's able to go into the neighborhoods and enter into conversations about what the gospel means in respect to the many difficult questions and challenges that people are facing today. And I can tell you, friends, that that adventure of moving into the neighborhood and being a witness for Jesus in those spaces and places is the greatest adventure that any of us can enter into. And the only way we're going to be empowered to enter into that adventure is if we accept the reality of the fullness of Jesus' adventure. Because you're never going to love other people as much as you've already been loved. You're never going to go into a space or place that is worse or different than Jesus went to in coming to this earth and ultimately his continued journey. And because he entered into that adventure for you, you can embark on this adventure with him and for him as we prepare to go back out into this world. Is it easy? (laughs) No. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Let's stand as we worship. You unravel me with the melody You surround me with a song God.